Welcome back everyone to another episode of Cyril Talks. Um, as you know, if you've heard any of our previous episodes, our podcast is dedicated to learning about the amazing women behind the brands, the campaigns, the artists uh, that we see every day. A lot of times we see their work, but we don't necessarily know who these masterminds are, the masterminds behind all of this amazing work that we see out in the world. So we want to learn more about um, them and their journeys. And so today I'm super excited to have Bria Stinson. She is a stylist and costume designer to the stars. She's been doing this for a long time. I've actually known her for many years and I'm super honored to have her. The point is not just to learn about the journey, but it's really about also people hearing what um, what that journey consists of and um, just being able to apply it to, to what it is they're doing. Um, and so there's an educational component. It's, it's not just learning about you, know, you um, but it's also understanding what really goes into, when you say you wanna pursue a career like this that's non unconventional, um, there's not necessarily a rule book. There's not a specific class you can take. I find that so many times it's really about hearing about what other people have done um, to really learn about just, you know, what, what goes into this. What, like when you make that decision, you say, this is what I want to do. This is the career. This is the career I want to pursue. We might need a part one, two, and three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and I mean, as somebody who... I mean, I'm in an, in an unconventional profession, but also who works every day with, you know, people who I always say, you know, you bet on yourself, right? Like there's no one who says, hey, you should be this. You decide often on your own that this is something you want to be, and then you have to navigate and it's not easy. So I really appreciate the people that I work with, um, not just for the work that they do, but also just the fact that they've really been able to um, pursue something that they love and make a career out of it. So that's why I truly love hearing these stories. Like I'm inspired and I just have such an appreciation. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And it's just so important that we do share those stories for real. Yeah. Yeah. So, so usually I like to start off by asking just a very simple question. Um, I like to just ask, you know, what do you call yourself? Yeah, I mean, uh, this pandemic has definitely like caused a lot of change in all of us. So I think what I refer to most of all now is just an all around creative. Because mm. what, I, what I realized is that even though I've worked for myself this entire time, um, I, I sought out being an entrepreneur because I didn't want to put myself in a box. Mm -hmm. But after this pandemic happened and we were forced to stay at home, I realized that I still created my own box because there are several mm. other things that I'm, I'm interested in. And I just like to create period. So whether it's food, whether it's um, artwork, sometimes it's pieces of jewelry. And I just so right. happen to have made my career as a stylist turned designer, but there's a piece of me that that still wants to live a bit bigger. Right. 
right now I'm going by just all around creative and I've also become a more of a like wellness enthusiast I think Mm, mm mm-hmm yeah. yeah, I think that that's probably one of the positive things that have that's come out of this um, pandemic is just kind of reaching deeper into yourself and finding these other things out about yourself or knowing that there's certain things there that you haven't necessarily been able to tap into because of maybe being really busy with, you know, work. And so you're really kind of able to expand on some of those things that are there um, inside of you. And now, and I, and I think just as a creative, a time like this, you have something that's your own that, you know, you can really just, some people are like lonely at home. A lot of my friends who are creatives are like, oh, I have time to do more now, <laughs> you know? Like everybody's yeah. like, oh my gosh, we're going to get shut down again. And I'm like, honey, let's go. <laughs> let's do it. I got so little arts and crafts projects. <laughs> I just got a new waffle maker. I ordered a knitting machine. I'm going in and yeah. And I started my little dance class. So I have things to do. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. I think, and it's just, it's, uh, and it just speaks to, to who you are. Like you're, you've made a career as a stylist and costume designer, but you know, you're creative. So it's only natural that in a time like this, this is where the creativity like you really tap into that creativity times like this, where you have to think even more outside of the box and you're not, you don't have the same routine necessarily, or like the same uh, obligations. So, you know, it's like now you, you kind of have time to let your mind go and let it wander a bit. Yeah. This is the, the closest I felt to when I first moved to New York and I met you and I was starting my career where I just didn't, I didn't have anything. Mm-hmm. It was just like, it was about, you know, making relationships and really being as creative as I could with what I had, because Lord knows I'm not making anywhere near the money that I was making this time last year. Mm-hmm. And I came to a crossroads. It's like, either you can have like high anxiety about this and like worry yourself into baldness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or you can you can flip it and like make it worth your while. And so Right. Right. So I, right. I basically the same I just try to tell myself the same effort that I put into like creating things for other people. Like this was my time to mm. for myself and not just making myself an outfit, but really create my life the way that I want to live it. Right. I love that. I really love that. At the very core, or like I guess the very basis. Um, the reason that, you know, I, I wanted you to, um, to be a guest on this podcast was to talk about your career, the career that, um, I know, and so many people know you for, and, um, that's, you know, you're a stylist, you've been a stylist and a costume designer. I want to go into kind of how this all came about, um, the early years. At what point (laughs) did you realize that, you know, you had this creativity inside of you and you knew that it was going to play a bigger part in your life than maybe like the average person. Like what were you doing maybe as a kid early on in life that were like indicators? I feel like I was always a stylist. I just didn't know that that was a career because I mean, I was (laughs) the friend 
everybody would congregate at my house. And so if we were doing anything, I was always remixing somebody's outfit, giving them mm. or making them tie their shirt up in a knot. <laughs> you right, know right, I mean? right, right. Yeah. Remixing the crew before we did anything. So uh -huh. that that part came natural. And I was always like remixing my existing clothes too. Like my mother was just like, this is not to be cut up. This is not to be drawn on. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> boundaries, boundaries. She's yeah, out of control. <laughs> characters on it. This is one another bad creation, and Bill Bill DeVoe is out. So I was doing the overalls and Charlie friends. Ah, uh, I love it. Yeah, I and love just, it. Like, making existing pieces out of my closet or my uh -huh. didn't want anymore, and just trying to turn it into something else. Um, right. My grandmother got me, uh, I think she had like a sewing machine in her basement and she mm. to me. So I had like an old school sewing machine in my bedroom. Like the last couple years of high school. And the crazy part is, is I didn't use it that much. I flipped it down because it was a flat tabletop and I did hair and nails. Okay. I've always been creative and always had like an entrepreneur spirit. And I just mm -hmm. knew that I just didn't want to have the same routine every day. So I think it was just, it was always there. And I hadn't really pinpointed exactly what I wanted to do because I was a performing arts major. Mm, okay. And I, I thought I wanted to get into that. I didn't necessarily want to be a theater person, but I was like, yeah, maybe I'll get discovered and something magical will happen. And when I went to college, the homecoming fashion show was a was a big deal. So I ended up having my friends from Detroit. I did um I designed a lot of homecoming dresses and prom dresses for my friends when I was in high school. I had them send the dresses down to Atlanta. Uh -huh. Wow. So I went to Clark Atlanta University. So they sent the dresses. And so I was able to enter into the fashion show as a designer. Amazing. Yeah. And so that's when I when I got the reaction, that kind of turned something on when it was just like, oh, you might have something here where this might not just have to be a thing that you do for your friends. Right, right. So did that, you did oh I'm sorry. Go I'm ahead. Sorry. No, that that I think that reaction that I got from doing that first show kind of really cut the light on for me where I was just mm -hmm. like something here. You right. Know? Right. Did you, so did you end up teaching yourself how to sew on that sewing machine? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I okay. Myself, I taught myself how to sew. And then after I did that first fashion show, there was the pressure to do another one. Okay. So I, I didn't want to show the, show the same pieces. So I went and got mm. a finger machine and I was making all sorts of stretchy stuff. <laughs> uh -huh, uh -huh. Like somebody was doing a music video or something in Atlanta. I would always like try to like be in the mix and volunteer to do the video girls or whatever and put them in mm -hmm. my life. And I was always cutting up t-shirts and making them off the shoulder and doing all of that business. Right. So, so you were naturally, you were naturally drawn. You were gravitating to this in a very natural, organic way. It just felt like this is where you were supposed to be and what you were supposed to be doing. Yeah, and it was and it was fun. I just needed to figure out how to make money at it because I had decided like, oh, I want to be a designer. But the reality of it is I didn't really understand the fundamentals of every step that it took. Right, right. Uh, finished quality piece 
and to build a collection. And I was right. in college. That, that helped me. I was in college for business because I knew that I would end up working for myself. And I didn't, I didn't want a theater degree. I didn't want a fashion degree. So I was like, mm -hmm. let me get business because I know that I'm going to be in business for myself, whichever direction I, I go mm -hmm. in. Mm -hmm. And that, that ended up paying off. Um, one of my friends, Courtney Ward, um, worked for Tamika Foster during mm -hmm. And she was like the urban stylist of that day. Like she uh -huh. had Tony Braxton, Lauren Hill, Patty LaBelle, Gerald Levert, um, Genuine, like anybody yeah. on the charts <laughs> with melanin, like she was, <laughs> right. she was the go-to. Uh -huh. um, she was our office assistant. And one day she told me, she said, you know, you're so creative, you should meet my boss. She's a wardrobe stylist. And I'm like, no, what, what did she do? So she had me to meet her. And then Tamika was like, oh, like I heard you can sew. Can you come and be on set with me? Cause I'm, I might need some adjustments. And I, I mean, uh -huh. so she had me on set. It was a JT Money and Soleil song. Okay. <laughs> on set for that as like the seamstress and like a, a helper basically. So that's when my eyes opened again to another part that I had, I didn't know about and I had never right. because I just didn't know that you could have a career as a stylist, right. able to see the proper setup and what all it took to get that look that you saw in a music video or right. what you had to go through and what the proper preparation was to do an album packaging mm -hmm, mm -hmm. pictures that you see because like in my eyes like I, I knew of Misa Hilton but in my mind it was like oh that's a little Kim's homegirl mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I had no idea like there that's a lane and that's a career that you right can. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, you just said so many key things. And I always like to kind of pull things out because um, you're just like telling the story. But there's so many things that like you did um, that you mentioned you did that made a difference, you know, that led to the, the opportunities that then came. I mean, first of all, you know, the fact that someone where you were, uh, Tamika took notice of you and asked you to come to the set. Like you went to the set. Like sometimes people don't realize that that might be an opportunity or they just don't follow through and show a up. Of, a lot of assistants get sent on errands first. You don't get to meet the client. You don't get to be on set. You get to run the errands, do the pickups, the drop-offs, and you get to do the returns, the grunt work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it, mm -hmm. it was an exceptional experience for sure. Right. And, you know, you showed up, you went, and that's where you were able to see how this works, like where, how this comes into play, like the, what you're doing. It's like, that's where those dots connected. Like, oh, okay. I see sure. where, how this works um, in, in, in action. You see it in action. Yeah. Um, and also the fact that you went to um, you got your degree in business. I mean, I think a lot of people don't think about that aspect, especially creatives, you know, I mean, you know, and I get it, right? Like you're focused on your craft and creating and everyone doesn't have the right and the left, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so a lot of times, you know, the focus is let me focus on my creative and hopefully someone comes, you know, I get someone on board who can help me with the business, but knowing that 
having that foresight to know that you know you wanted to have an understanding not knowing how it was necessarily going to apply yet but knowing that it's still the basis of everything you do ultimately you're like i know i want to make money so i need to understand how something how that part works and it's a testament to who i am like i, I need options and right I'm not the commitment girl Hello. So business left me wide open to kind of do what I needed. And I, I knew it was a degree that I could use. Yeah. I, if, I, if I studied theater, it would lock me into that. And at the end of the day, I just didn't want to be paying because I was there with loans mm -hmm. and extra help. And it mm -hmm. was like, I was like, I need to make sure that whatever the degree is that I'm getting here, that is gonna serve me. And I can't say that I made a lot of money off my marketing degree, but it definitely has helped me with the just the back end and you know, yeah. some, some of that knowledge that I acquired has played a part in me being in in the industry this long for sure. And the network right. in the business department I could say was even greater than the education. Right. And that's often what it really is all about anyway, yeah. is that network, <laughs> you know. Um so, okay, once you went to set that day, um, it opened your eyes. So at that point, like, what did you leave feeling and thinking? So were you officially assisting um, Tamika at that point? Not at that time. Um, okay. I ended up opening up a little store in a flea market while I was in college. So I was doing all of the vintage Levi's turned into shorts, turned into skirts. That was like a trend in all of Amazing. the- Amazing. Like, rhinestone belt buckles and the yes. rhinestone that J-Lo used to wear. And mm -hmm. that helped me to kind of stay in school. And wow. Kinda, yeah, it, and it helped me to like build an even bigger network because like, yeah. Incredible. It, it, it worked to my benefit in several ways. Um, mm. And when I graduated, um, when I graduated from college, I ended up moving to New York. Um, mm -hmm. And that's when I became her her key assistant got it okay there was a lot of like little gigs that I would do as a strip seamstress as a tailor I would show up um I would come out to LA to shop for my store I would come mm -hmm. to the and buy stuff wholesale amazing my refund check <laughs> and one time when I was out here she was doing a video for Tony Braxton and she happened to Tamika happened to be eight months pregnant she was doing a video for Tony Braxton and also the Grammys, the year okay. the silver dress with the whole side out. Mm, oh, uh-huh. That, that was a moment. That was a moment. Yeah, and she yes. found out that I was here in LA. She was like, oh, like I have a fitting with her today. Can you, can you bring your sewing machine? So I had to like go rent a machine and I was there for that fitting. And that was, that was a pretty like legendary moment. But then yeah. I also see that what she was doing just didn't keep her in LA. Like it was, I mean, in Atlanta, it took her to LA and like, she was really like crafting these images that would be iconic for people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You could feel the, I just remember feeling the energy in the room as that was happening because mm, wow. after JLo wore the green dress and you know, mm -hmm. they were on the charts neck and neck at that time. And you could just feel the importance of the moment. And I'm like, this is heavy. Yes, yes. Well, you felt the energy of making these, of 
these iconic moments happening. Yes. And, mm-hmm. and you know, just seeing the the drastic difference between a JT Money job and then a Tony Braxton job, because there was literally mm. 30 pairs of shoes for her to choose from, all of them from Giuseppe, from Gucci. And it was like just the options that were there showed mm-hmm. me the, the magnitude of like Tamika's reach one in fashion. Cause I'm like, how did you get all of this here? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just seeing her go through the process of helping to talk with the hairstylist on how they were going to do the hair. And if the mm-hmm. hair, was up, if the hair was down, what kind of earring are we going to do? Right. So right. It was, it was those final, those little tiny details. And I just felt yeah. like, the whole process because as a fan of Tony Braxton and of everybody else in the industry you only see the finished product you never know right all those decisions yeah all those details yeah and and that that speaks to really having to have a vision Mm -hmm. it's not just choosing a nice dress or you know it's not about just yeah doing the politics of it all too because I remember Mm -hmm. That there were people in there from the label. There was her mm-hmm. man, there was Tamika, and then the team that she had, and then there was the hairstylist, and then it was, you know, um, Tony's comfort zone, her people, and so everybody tends to have a habit <laughs> right. Able to navigate that without stepping on toes and still be able to get your creative vision. Across. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, there's, yeah, no, it takes, it takes, and that's what people don't realize a career like this learning on the job is, is really going to, it's, it's almost like an apprenticeship. You really have to learn in the, in the trenches, you know, because you have to see, and that's such a huge part of just the entertainment business in general is there's so many nuances. There's so many things to be aware of your emotional intelligence has to be like really and I I had to learn some tough lessons about that but even in the the difference of those two jobs like the environment of that first job was so much more casual and laid back and I realized instantly in this room for this Grammy situation my opinion was not really needed Mm -hmm. (laughs) I really wanted so I learned how to be I learned how to stand out in a room when I needed to and also mm-hmm. if I needed to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And and really picking up on all of those things and and because that is difficult when you have various people chiming in and people have different opinions and you know the and and understanding what's gonna make the artist comfortable, but yet, you know, getting them to feel like comfortable enough pushing the boundaries and maybe doing something they're not used to doing. Like there's so much, you know, I mean, I feel like I relate heavily, you know, on the A&R side, it's the same thing when it comes to creating music, you know, it's very much a similar interaction that you're having. You, you basically go into the fact that you moved to New York to, um, to continue working, but was there, what, what was that moment where you said, I'm about to move to New York? Cause I mean, New York is a big city. This is a big decision. Like, was there kind of, you know, this moment where you're like, okay, this is what I'm doing. And then when you get there, like, where am I going to live? Like, how am I going to survive? How am I going to, you know, like you, I want to hear about that part too. Well, our good friend, Felicia, I, I also met while I was in college. She, um, 
he encouraged me to come to New York during Fashion Week my senior year in college. Okay. And that was a game changer too. She introduced me to Patricia Field. She mm. do like one of the guys from FUBU. Um, and I got to see that aspect of fashion and like actually go to a show and see like, this is where Tamika actually makes selections. And that's mm -hmm. the difference between a personal shopper that goes to the mall for you and a stylist gets to see those samples come down the runway and they have right. first dibs on grabbing those samples for their A-list clients. Right. So that was a game changer for me too. And um, Patricia Field has this crazy love for Felicia and because I was another chocolate girl that she brought into the room and she was just mm -hmm. like, so, she was like, you two are cute. She was like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I want to come here. I want to be like a stylist. And I might want to be a doctor, but I want to start as a stylist. And then <laughs> I love it. She was like, well, she was like, you should, you should get here. You should most definitely get here because like, mm. I, she was like, I see something in you. And she was like, and just, just tell people you're my sister. Mm. And okay. I was like, what? <laughs> I couldn't believe that she, that she told me that. And I was just like, just to have that, that co-sign from somebody that I had never worked with her. We just literally like, wow. just like you two are so cute. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> and so okay. that was, that, that kind of took away a big level of fear and like uncertainty that I had with graduation approaching. Right. So right. I went back to Atlanta with like some fire under my ass because I was also in a, an abusive relationship that I didn't know that how I was going to get out of it. Mm, mm -hmm. And so with the, with, I knew I didn't want to sit at the store because the store kept me in a place. It kept me in a box and I knew I didn't want to be in a box, but mm -hmm. it was for college. But I'm like, now that I'm in college, I don't really need this store. I need to be in the action. Right. So I didn't know how to get out of that relationship. I didn't quite know exactly what I was going to do. Like I hadn't really had any like marketing uh -huh. internships or anything while I was in school because I had been helping Tamika and working at my store and uh -huh. like, selling my little belt buckles and stuff. So a lot of my friends were doing these internships and mentorship programs, like in the corporate world in advertising. And I was just kind of like, so I went to, after I graduated, I went to Detroit for a month and Felicia huh. was like, just come here. She was like, just sleep on the couch. So I think I slept on the couch for maybe a month or two and then her lease was up and then we ended up moving into a place and it was the biggest number in rent I had ever heard of. <laughs> and I was just like, <laughs> I welcome to New York. I don't know how this is going to happen. I do not know how, but you know, it ended up working out. And once Tamika realized that I was in New York, she was like, you know, can you start to be like my full-time assistant? No longer a assistant mm. or, you know, a little helper. She's like, mm -hmm. you know, now that you're there, you can do the showroom appointments. Mm -hmm. And so okay. then everything that had happened up until that point, I got to see yet another side. And that's when I started meeting designers I got like we used to play good cop bad cop all the time she was in Atlanta and everybody was like oh my gosh Tamika and then I would come in and I'm like hey everybody so uh -huh. I got 
invited to like Giuseppe Zanotti, like private viewing and mm -hmm. like, just meeting all these different people, a different aspect of the industry as well. Seeing the showrooms, the sales showrooms, yeah. showrooms meeting publicists and also seeing other stylists and also mm -hmm. seeing the competition of it all. Right, right. Wow. I'm just, as you tell this story, I'm just literally picturing you and Felicia, like as young newbies in New York, like oh, in your- yeah, all the accessories. I'm oh like, my goodness. I'm so mad I didn't meet you guys until later because I just, this story, I'm just picturing it. And I'm just picturing Felicia saying, just come, just, just come. Like it's going to work out. Like just do it. She's yeah. She's only been that since the day that I- Oh my Goodness. Yes. Yeah, wow. I love this. I never knew. I didn't I, I don't think I ever knew the pure definition of integrity. And once I learned that later on in my career, I'm like, that's Felicia, because whatever she says, she gets it done. Gets it and, done. Yeah, and that's it. And that's it. And so she's been she's been like that Oof. the entire yeah. Yeah, this the the entire time I've known her. So oh my goodness. very key in like just helping me to not be so indecisive. And mm -hmm, mm -hmm. no, no, we're doing this. Do it. Like, just okay. do it. Right. Like, okay. <laughs> it's happening. It's happening. Oh my God. Um, oh, and by the way, we haven't even mentioned you. So you mentioned Detroit. That's where you're originally from. Yes. So also, how does that play into maybe your love for fashion? my mom and my dad worked in retail okay um and then i we always just used to have vogue and l magazine at our house i would have to go to my grandparents house to see like jet and essence mm -hmm, so I mm -hmm. that my mother is a diehard shopaholic fashion fanatic <laughs> uh -huh. my, my dad was very well dressed mm -hmm. um and i would just watch him like that was my first introduction of like merchandising because he would literally lay out his outfits the night before mm. his shoes. He would get the matching socks that would complement the little flower that was on the pocket square. Love and it. He was way ahead of his time and he would lay oh. it all on the bed and it literally look, would look like a show display or like a store display that you would see at Barney's or something mm -hmm. like that. Ill and way before his time. Wow. So I had a lot of that in my house and I just remember always playing dress up in my mother's clothes and it was like the best thing ever. I thought her and her friends were like the Mary Jane girls. Uh -huh. <laughs> like I was like, yes. Um, yeah. so, so I got it from that, but then I also became very obsessed with Motown. Okay, and okay. I, I just, I read books that I shouldn't have been reading when I was very young. <laughs> Gary Diana Ross, the people who like Diana Ross and wrote books about her, the people who did, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm, just like, mm -hmm. the whole story. And I just remember being so enthralled that the fact that these women came from the projects that was right up the street from where mm -hmm. I grew up and mm -hmm. traveled the world in an era where just it was unheard of for Black mm -hmm. people. And they, they got the PR and the press and they were just immaculate and glamorous but you knew that they came from the projects mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it wasn't until i went to uh there was a a film screening of um a documentary that was made about detroit i think michael mcdonald put it together 
And um, like, I literally started crying in the theater. This was probably three years ago because it it made me realize why my aesthetic is what it is. I worked with a lot of of men. So I think that a lot of my stuff tends to be tomboy chic and I I enjoy doing men more than I do women. And Mm. even my women's clothes still have a masculine like edge to it. But Uh even now, like I've got on a unisex kind of shirt. It could be men's, it could be women's, but I, I have on a nice lace bra. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know what I mean? So it's always yeah. stark contrast of if we're going to wear a lot of rhinestones and diamonds, then my jeans are going to be dirty. So uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. That grunge and that glam and the concrete and the beauty yes. together. And that's exactly like what Detroit is. I, wow. I love that. Yeah. Like I, I was that. in that theater bawling because we've spoken we've done this is our third interview mm-hmm. and i realize every time i'm like oh i'm gonna come out with a collection mm-hmm. and my career was going so fast i never got to focus on it and part of it was i was like what what is the story and what is my aesthetic and sitting here mm. in documentary it all came to me and so i just now released pieces and i've been wow for what, like 15 years? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's amazing because you didn't even realize, like it was, well, first of all, everything that you've gotten fashion-wise, you've gotten, honestly, you know, from your from your home, but then your aesthetic developed in a very, again, organic way to the point where a lot of times people have to be like, okay, what is it? And, you know, are trying to figure it out. Whereas like you were doing it, but it was more so backing into it and figuring out what the source of it was like, yeah, where that inspiration actually came from. Yeah. So that was, yeah. And that's, and, and knowing, cause I associate, when I see your pieces, I can see pieces and know that it's you, you know, you definitely have very defined aesthetic. Oh yeah. No, on different artists. I'm like, oh yeah, that's Bria. You know what I mean? Like I can tell, um, cause you're very, you know, you, you're consistent and, um, yeah, I mean, I, I've just seen your work for, I, I know what your what your looking aesthetic is, and what you just described really nails it. And um, and I love that as kind of being the like the core of like or like the foundation as you continue to build off that. Because I feel like so many of us, like people who kind of come from you know cities, have that like high low or like that juxtaposition thing going on you know what I mean and so I feel like that'll just really continue to speak to well now that I think of some a lot of the artists you've dressed it makes so much sense because it's like there's like a softness but yet like edge to a lot of them you know and so it, it comes out it comes across in the pieces when you decided to pursue fat you know a career in fashion were your was your family supportive yeah i i think they were more concerned with like how are you going to like survive because mm-hmm. my grandfather he i don't think he gets it to this day i think sometimes he <laughs> do hair uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. He'll say, well, they told me that you were going to be on the Soul Train Awards. I watched the whole thing. I didn't see you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my like, God. No, granddaddy, I'm not on there. My work is on there. He's like, uh-huh. 
But then he'll have a whole stack of like magazines that I've been featured in on the passenger side of his car. So like before anybody can get in, they have to look at the magazine. Oh my goodness, that's amazing. He's so sweet. He's so sweet. That's amazing. My grandmother, she was very like a big part of me like going away to college, but she also gave me the option of you can stay here in Detroit. You can go to hair school because mm -hmm. I used to I used to do hair in high school for all my friends and I, I used to have the cash. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. She was like, you should go to cosmetology school. And she worked at Chrysler. She was like, I'll get you a car. Because she knew that that bill going away to college was going to be much bigger that she was going to have to help me with. So she, right. she kind of offered me a deal. And I was just like, <laughs> oh, no, like my, my dreams were so much bigger than that because I actually, right. I actually was supposed to go audition for the School of Performing Arts when I was like 12 or 13. Uh -huh, uh -huh. I didn't I didn't do it. I was too scared. So uh -huh. the goal was to always end up in New York though because uh -huh. I, I later on I re, I regretted like not doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like if I go away to college, that will be like this is me walking them slow into me going to New York. Uh -huh. I knew right. To stay after college, right, right. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, my, mom, my mom was always like, "Just go for it. Do what you need to do." Yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's all. That's usually the fear is just, okay, how are you going to pay your bills? Because they don't necessarily see the the track. You know, it's not like I go in, I do a good job, I get promoted. Like it's really all on you. They don't. They. They weren't seeing what I was seeing as I was, yeah. Home, you know what I mean. And when you explain, yeah. because it's like it's clothes and it's <laughs> like, oh, you're just out there kicking it. You having fun because that sounds like what you used to do in your bedroom here. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you got a budget and extra money now, but yeah, right. Like, That's cute. So what? Right. <laughs> so how's that gonna pay your bills? Yeah. Okay. Um. So, okay, so you spent about how much time did you spend working with Tamika? And then at what point did you kind of uh, break out and start to do your own thing? I was our um, key assistant for, I think, two and a half years, mm -hmm. three. And um, yeah, I mean, because I was her assistant, people loved her aesthetic and I was groomed by her so they're like mm -hmm. oh we can kind of we can get that same thing for a little a little less you know mm -hmm. and, and also i i knew that i wanted to go beyond um r b and like urban music because i'm naturally drawn to like edge and i, I mm -hmm. wanted to like getting some rock and roll clients and people who you know wanted to wear one of a kind pieces and so i wanted to try to Kind of carved my own niche with people who wanted to like really get creative and like they weren't so worried about like can you get me the new gucci but like what can we create together mm. so kind of fingers crossed and i had like a, a few hard months when i decided to go off on my own it wasn't it wasn't easy but i felt like it was it was time and i needed to explore those type of projects mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How did you do it? Like, how did you go from, okay, I'm going to make this transition to like, what were the steps and 
like at what point did you feel like it was a good decision and that things were starting to work out? Well, I, I had pulled back and I started doing some test shoots uh, with like Myla Morales, the makeup artist. Uh -huh, uh -huh. She was so, so busy and like at the height of things. And she would just be like, oh, Bria, like, do you want to do a test shoot? Like there's this new uh, photographer. And like just being able to also work with her and see a different side. I would do these little free test shoots. So I was starting to build my book. And I had done, Raheem was originally Tamika's client. Mm -hmm. and he didn't come from Atlanta and this okay. is the first album it took two years for him to do an album packaging he had released like two smash singles but it took the label to see those songs climbing the charts before they took the project like serious and mm -hmm. able to do album packaging and like proper like music videos mm -hmm. um, he didn't show up and something happened with like a box she was supposed to send. And I ended up getting a jacket from, um, I can't even think of the name of the place, but I literally was putting like studs on it by hand just to make it extra special because uh -huh. the things were supposed to come from Tamika. So I had done some like shopping and pulled from a couple of different showrooms, but I didn't feel like I, I had anything that was like super special. Uh -huh. when he saw me like doing the studs by hand and he was like, oh, like that's dope. And then uh -huh. everybody also was like, well, where is Tamika? Uh -huh. And she didn't show up until the second day that we were working together. And I think that he, he, he recognized that I was putting in some extra, some extra effort to make sure that he felt okay and that he had something special. Uh -huh, and so uh -huh. when he, was, um, he had a music video and a couple other projects it was months down the line uh -huh. um, Tamika got credit for that album packaging but the jacket that he has on is the jacket that I'm talking about uh -huh. um, album cover um, when his when his project got rolling he was like I, I want to hire Bria to do my styling so I was a bit at a crossroads because I didn't want it to feel like oh like I'm trying to steal her clients but it was one of those things where I, he he felt something and he was like she kind of gets me right right work with her. right and was that was that around the time or what year was that because I'm trying to see think if that was around the time that you and I met or like start you and I worked together I think this might have been a, a year before or before so. okay Maybe I saw that because I remember seeing your book. Mm -hmm. I remember going through the books um, to decide on, yeah. Back when people had physical portfolios. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. I was like, I need some books. We're about to do this shoot. I was on Clubhouse last night and um, Jay Alexander and like uh, from FUBU and like all the people who are like 48 or over 50, they yes. Portfolios like you the got books. a portfolio together, and like I'm just laughing listening to this because I'm like, nobody has that anymore. They're like, What a book? <laughs> what are you talking about? Right. So young 20 year olds are like, You mean like Instagram? Right? <laughs> no, the portfolio needs to be. <laughs> it's like saying CD, it's like a demo to them. Yeah, you know? mm -hmm. when I talk to young kids, I'm like, Back when we used to do like showroom requests, we were doing it via fax machine. Like, yeah. Doing emails. Oh. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, no, digital has 
changed everything. Yeah. My goodness. But yeah, no, I remember we would have to, I guess, I don't remember how I would choose who I wanted to see, whose books I wanted to see, but I know that they would be messengered over. And then I'd have like a stack and I would go through the books. And I remember this was, um, well, I guess for the listeners, since they don't know, have no clue what I'm talking about, but I was working with Rich Harrison um, at his label, Rich Craft, which was a joint venture through Atlantic. And we had this R&B artist named Jaden. And he was kind of like, you know, he was an R&B singer, but he was like, had a bit of, um, at the time, some of the records had some edge to them. So we wanted to kind of capture that, you know, like he plays the piano and he's R&B, but he's like a New York kid. And so I remember looking at your book and maybe I saw that jacket or something because I remember I was like, okay, we want him to like have some like edge and like around the way appeal, but like, so we had him at a piano and I remember we had like a hoodie that was um, like had the stones on them, you know? Yeah. So it's, yeah. Wow. I was like, I think, you know, I was like, I think this will like capture what we're going for. (laughs) Cause and that was our first shoot with him. Yeah. Wow. That's so crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing that kind of softened the blow is that Tamika had also acquired Usher while I was Mm -hmm. her assistant. And after I stopped working with her, lived uh like broadway and 28th street but there the gym that i went to was on 25th street which was up the block from 4040 club across like diagonal from czar entertainment um and then there was like a subsidiary of sony that was across the street from my gym so one day i'm literally like Every day I'm coming out of the gym looking raggedy. I was running into somebody. Uh-huh. <laughs> One day I ran into Usher's mom. Uh huh. And I was like, Miss Raymond. I was like, How you doing? And she was just like, How are you? I was like, You know, I'm just I'm trying to like figure it out. Like I was like, I stopped working with Tamika and I'm just trying to figure it out. She was like, Well, we're getting ready to go on tour. You want to you want to do wardrobe? <laughs> and she was like, Because I know. Usher knows you, he's comfortable with you. Like, let's try to figure it out. So I called Binky and Leslie, who were like his two female dancers. And I was like, yo, like I saw Usher's mom and she was like, it's a possibility I could go on tour. She said that they had some people already, but she was like, she thinks it'll be a good idea. Can you just like, you know, run it past him or say Mm -hmm. something when you see her? And like, I ended up getting the call and that, that softened the transition because that took me off the grid for three months to figure things out and to also just make some money. And I wasn't like, right. you know, right. it was good. Cause it also allowed me to see yet another side. Yeah. Touring. Because the stylist is not going on tour for the most part. And that wardrobe is a whole different beast. Oh yeah. No, that's, that's a major production. Cause it's not, it's not editorial. It's, it's stage. It's yeah. So it's a whole different beast. (laughs) Right. Okay. So I'm not even, so for the listeners, so what would, what's the, I mean, what's the difference like in your approach to a tour wardrobe for a tour? So I didn't, I was not the designer for the tour. I was not the stylist involved. I was literally wardrobe and wardrobe. Mm-hmm. Is there. 
to maintain the costumes and to fill in the pieces and to make sure that the production uh, moves smoothly. So that means uh -huh. if dancers or need to knee pad, his knee pad needs to be in place every night. If mm. Usher likes a black towel, you have to have a towel. If you know after the third song, he needs to brush his hair and he needs a different shirt, those things have to be prepared. So you're the first person to show up to the venue and the last person to leave the venue. So it's a starch difference from I'm showing up, I'm gonna get my client dressed for a photo shoot and then there's an after party and I'm going in the after party with my client. This mm -hmm. is, you're coming in, you're washing socks, gloves. <laughs> if any zippers are broken, they have to be fixed. Uh -huh. It rips. It has to be fixed before the curtain goes up. Right, right. And you have to make sure that you're organized because you can't lose Usher's one pair of Peelys, the sneakers with the wheels on it. And if uh -huh. you one of them breaks, you have to have them repaired or another one to take its place before the show starts. So it's literally like a bunch of maintenance and organization, but it just shows you what goes into a production. And I was able to actually meet the costume designer who did the things. And there were moments where like the first maybe three weeks of the tour, they were still kind of making tweaks and figuring things out. So there was a moment where Binky and Leslie didn't have anything to wear for this one scene. and. Mm starting the tour and I had to like make something so that's when my little sewing skills came into play and luckily wow. they knew me and because I, I don't think it was the best thing in the world but they were like hell yeah we'll work <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. and that, that also was great because it, it didn't stall anything I just knew how to right. jump and figure it out you know what I mean and so right. that was um that was a great like learning experience as well right and there's no way anyone would be able to even understand or learn anything like that without actually being there. And it's and even though you're focused on what your specific responsibilities are, you're really learning about like those are the details, but those are the small things that keep the whole thing moving smoothly. That runs out to the bus and takes his clothes with him, and you have to make sure that all of those things are accounted for. Right. <laughs> right. Gosh, there's so much history. I didn't um, realize. Leslie and Bingham dance for Usher. Yep. And I met them actually with Genuine on a like a morning show. And wow. so we became fast friends like immediately. And then just so happened they end up working. They also worked with Usher. And so it's just like, again, it's about, you know, network and like building right. relationships. Because what if I had, a, what if I hadn't made a good impression on the Genuine job? You know what I mean? It just, it right. wouldn't have been an option for me to go on tour for something that major. Right. And I had yeah. never done it before, <laughs> you know? Right. Wow. What's the, the most important thing you learned from that tour? Huh. That it, it take it takes it takes hard work. It mm -hmm. takes it takes it takes hard work. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to get caught up because like I said, I was already friends with them. Mm -hmm. I have Usher from another aspect as a stylist so I could have easily went in there feeling like entitled or feeling like I could hang out and like skate through the process but uh -huh. the details and the the things were so intricate that uh -huh. I, I had to be serious and I, I think um, up until that point I was still having a lot of fun in style uh -huh. 
And yeah, that was like serious business because he had like a, a MasterCard sponsorship. Uh, um, what's the place that sells all the TVs and all of that stuff? Like it was so much on the line. You know mm-hmm, what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so many entities. Yeah. Yeah. Ever want to be the person that's like <laughs> the weak, the weak link? Yeah, don't want that. You don't want to be that person. Yeah, and I had to work under somebody that was really, really meticulous and like right. I couldn't stand it, but it 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 um it set me straight and it it gave me all the things that I needed to know because when I ended up actually getting my roster of clients and then it was my turn to design the costumes, I had a say. And I was aware of what is it going to take to care for this garment? And is this going to be easier or harder for the wardrobe person that's going to be there with them? Right. Yeah. So being able to to foresee um, things and And that's been a blessing. It's almost like, you know, a slumdog millionaire where you do all these different things and then you're up against a wall. You have no idea from 10 years ago is going to save the- Yeah. It kicks in. You don't know when it's going to kick in, but it will. For sure. For sure. Yep. Yep. So what would you consider um, to be your, like your breakout moment? Like something that you kind of always wanted to achieve and it finally happened and you're like, okay, I'm on my path. Ooh, a breakout moment. I don't think I've, I still, I don't think I've had my breakout moment yet. I've definitely had like some serious highlights. You have had some highlights. Maybe, is that the question? Talk to us about some highlights. Maybe that's what I need to ask you. Um, Because you've had, you've, I mean, we haven't even really delved into this. Um, And I don't know if there's a lot more kind of in between I mean there is a lot more to cover in between but at the point where you I mean at this point you're addressing all the R&B artists that matter um (laughs) you're addressing the biggest pop icon oh but okay wait let's rewind didn't did you do um I think we might have spoken about this before did you um do something for Jay at some point yeah yeah. Okay. Okay. Tamika, Tamika was his stylist towards the end uh-huh. um, of my stint with her. Um, but then I ended up styling him for a couple jobs. And then Carlene, who was his assistant at the time, she started a creative agency. And I was a, I think I was the first wardrobe stylist that they signed. Ah, okay. Ballon Inc. Yeah. And it was, yeah, through, I remember it was through that work with jay-z and she was just like you know i saw how you like navigated things and you know would you like to do this and i had never even considered having an agent so that was like my first experience with that Um, okay that's important yeah and we worked together for several years and then maybe this could be this was more of a game-changing moment Um, okay she had me do a wish list in the very beginning of signing to the agency. I don't mm-hmm. think that I fully tapped into what what I wanted, but 
I was working consistently. So that gave me like a certain level of confidence. Um, but one day she called me, this was in 2010. And she was like, I got the job that's going to change your life. And I was like, really? And she was like, I'm not going to tell you who it is. But she was like, can you go to California on Saturday or whatever day it was? And I was like, hell yeah. Because I've always been that girl. Like, uh-huh. I, got a bag, I got my passport <laughs> and my ID. Let me know if we're taking a jet or if I need to go to the airport. Right, <laughs> right. Uh-huh. I was like, yeah, I'll go. I was like, but you want to give me some insight? She was like, well, it's a job where you're going to be able to do styling. But most importantly, you're going to be able to create and design from scratch. And the person is young. So the hope is that you'll be able to like grow with the project and really like do your thing. Okay. I'm like, hell yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So I went to the airport with a carry-on. I'm thinking I'm going to be there for a couple days. Mm-hmm. And I ended up being here for like four or five months. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it was literally wow. a project runway. And the... <laughs> The client ended up being Willow during with my hair. Oh wow! I think I remember. I remember when you were doing that with her. Yeah, I feel like I remember seeing something, and I was like, "Oh, it's Bria." Okay. Well, and it was also Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> <laughs> so that was definitely like yeah. a big situation, but okay. Um, it it taught me all the other things that I needed to know about myself and okay. know about the industry. Like working with a child is a completely different beast. Cause you think working with a grown up who has a manager, a record label and a road manager and a homeboy is difficult to navigate. Mm-hmm. A child who has parents that love them deeply and like want them to feel at ease and be comfortable. And, and you got all the other entities. Right, right, yeah. Um, and then in that situation, I also had to work with somebody else who was in the mix that I didn't really know was in the mix, but we were kind uh, of collaboration, but like not. Okay. <laughs> so that was that was trying for me. Um, and then I also went from being a stylist with a full-time assistant in New York and a part-time assistant in LA, now having six assistants okay that I ain't never seen before in my life but things are like moving so fast and I had no systems in place oh wow okay yeah it kicked wow wow and I made more money than I had made period in a matter Uh of months wow what I probably made in the last two years, I made in probably like four months, but I had wow. nothing to know for it mm-hmm. um, because I was living in a hotel. I was renting a car. They told the Smiths that I was from California. So I couldn't even talk about like how sad I was in a hotel. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> how, was that, that was intense. How I took the 405 because I'm not from here and I don't know not to get on the 405 and I'm 45 minutes late. Wait, that was on purpose? They didn't want to hire someone from New York? Why didn't they? I don't know what the dynamics were, but it, it didn't dawn on me until I was here that that <laughs> was the play. And, wow. And you know, I'm still pretty, pretty young, but I'm just excited. Like, yeah, of course. It's an amazing I mean, opportunity. I mean, yeah. 
when I finally get to like design for real, like when I was doing Raheem and working on those other projects, be like, okay, you can make a jacket here and there, sneakers, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? But this one from scratch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I, I, I get the excitement. And I get, and I get, I actually understand that this could change my life. Right. But it was so, it was so difficult and it was so much work that I never got to like, like settle in Mm. and enjoy anything because I was Mm -hmm. trying to learn how to manage all these people and all these moving parts. And I'm doing styling and I'm trying to design and somebody's asking me for a picture of what the zipper looks like. Oh, wow. Yeah. That was a pivotal point where I had to decide, like, if I wanted to do styling and designing, because I realized I can't do both at that. Right. Right. And that's the thing. Yeah. You weren't able to really function um, at your highest level because you weren't really set up in in the way that in to be able to really operate the way that you state of fear for an entire year. Yeah. Yeah. Working from 7 a.m. to 2 a.m. to 3 a.m. And like they were telling me, like, oh, don't go home for Christmas because you have to have a meeting. And then the meeting would be 15. Wait, what? The meeting oh, wow. <laughs> in wow. a hair salon. You know what I'm saying? So it oh, was no, like, I can't. It was just a lot of things. And I also just realized that as much as like I love these people and I think they like me and they know like my, my talent and what I'm capable of, like, this is still a business. And as a mm-hmm. agent, the job is for them to still make money. Mm-hmm. And I also learned that I have to learn how to manage expectations. And when it's absolutely, possible, I have to be able to say that's not possible. Right. I like, I don't like the way this feels, or this isn't the proper setup for me, or here's how I work. And if you, want to right. work together then we do that so I had to learn a lot about myself because I realized I was like I was saying yes to a lot of things and it just right no time and I didn't have yeah. the manpower <laughs> yeah yeah but you know what it's it's those moments where you realize you're like okay because that you go from being excited about the opportunity to then saying like understanding and knowing how what you're going to need to really be able to perform at your highest level, to deliver at your highest level. And then that's when you start to say, oh, I I have certain terms. Like I have certain, I need to, I have, there needs to be certain conditions here for me to really be able to, and I mean, and then you're not going to really learn that that's necessary and push for those things unless you go through something like that. And then you're like, okay, sure, I'll show up, but I'm going to need X, Y, Z. And you know, I was beat down and I was fucking up. And I would have like one amazing job and then the job the next day would be trash and then I'd redeem myself and then the next one would be shaky. And it was yeah, yeah. anxiety and I never felt like I could like catch my breath. Right. Yeah. Really catch a rhythm. It was like, what are you doing? What? I was, I was making some really cool pieces Mm -hmm. that, that that after like seeing it and then because she was a kid and she was so excited and so like grateful like when she saw things not knowing everything else that's happening behind the scenes <laughs> right like that jacket's so cool and i was like i love you and right my, like my fingers are bleeding and i'm crying right. oh my god 
up in three days, but I'm like, oh, little baby, because I know what being a kid like that is like. I was right. So I a lot of what she was doing was what I wanted to do when I was right. I wanted to be there for her. Yeah, yeah. But it was it was like it was tough. But I wow. Jaden, um, he um had the song for Karate Kid because they had just released that movie. So I ended up styling Jaden too. And he also had the song with Justin Bieber. So he went on tour with Justin Bieber. And then Justin Bieber saw the jackets that we were making for him. And they called me to redo Justin's tour. Okay. Wow. We do it. My agent told me, no. She said, you don't want to give up Willow and Jaden for Justin. Because Justin. You can't do both. <laughs> But Justin wasn't Justin wasn't the Justin we know today. But it was the Believe tour. Okay, that was his first. I think that was yeah. Was that his first tour? I think I went to that one. Very much on his on. Yeah, his yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. And it but you ended up working. You did end up working with him though, right? It ended up coming back around because I had to be honest. I was learning in that process. I had to uh -huh. be with his management and I was like I don't think that because they wanted me to redo the tour so that means I would have to come there evaluate and assess what was happening and what I wanted to change and I just told him I was like my hands are tied and my my plate is full mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't know that I would be able to give this 100% but the real truth was like oh you're gonna get fired <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah yeah so yeah. I chose to like stick it out and I still ended up getting fired anyway. <laughs> so it was just like, I got to the Justin route, but it, it ended up working out. Of course, when you're going through it, you don't, you don't understand it. And like, yeah, I just, yeah. I felt so beat up and like a victim. And then, you know, you go through life and you can, go back and look hindsight and you just see those things where you could have changed that or done things right or just not done it at all right right to a point so you know I had to also take take ownership of my shit as well mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then um I, that job made me make the choice like mm -hmm. I, I just I just want to design and mm -hmm. through all of that, because she was nine and she was so small, I had to make everything from scratch. So mm -hmm. all the things that I didn't know about design, I learned on that job. And it was pattern making, cutting uh, mm. fabrics because she was she had very sensitive skin. So I had, mm. to, I had to like speedball through like a <laughs> textile course. Wow what works and what things need to be washed before I could make them for her so they wouldn't irritate her skin. Like what zippers because uh, they cut little kids. <laughs> oh my goodness. So, wow. Um, it, it, it put me on course. I didn't realize it. At yeah. All, but it, it put me where I needed to be. I had to like <laughs> bring myself out of some like depression and like self-medicate myself with like <laughs> figuring my shit out and, mm -hmm. and that was weird because the last time we did an interview I was coming out of the brink of that and I think I was probably getting evicted too uh, 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 well 
Um, yeah, like when I look back at that time, that's when I first started like designing. I remember the jacket that I had on. I had made that leather jacket. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I was going through <laughs> Wow. That interview might, I think it was really somber because I was, uh-huh. I was very sad. Wow. You know, not to sound cliche, but I mean, it was probably meant to happen. You know, it's like, it always takes that really difficult situation that you have to, almost, you almost have to go through it because it's like a crash course or like boot camp where, you know, you have no choice but to face face it and say, okay, if I'm going to continue to do what I do, it cannot happen. Can't, it can no longer happen in that way. And here's what I need to do differently Mm -hmm. going forward. And, you know, it's, it's how we end up learning, how you end up learning. And I mean, the only way that it doesn't work for you is if something like that happens and you don't learn, but if you turn around and you're like, okay, could have done that differently and it took me a while to like catch the the lesson <laughs> right you know, I was just trying to survive at that point right right but yeah like, that... when it was over I had nothing to show for it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it was also a transition of how do I now introduce myself to people who were my competition now I'm saying I'm here to help you right I can make right. stuff for your clients. And they're like, no, nah, bitch, you're not coming on set. Right. She's trying to steal my client. And it's just like, no, like if you have an idea, I can help you bring it to life. And so right. that's also a transition period too, where I had to like really show and prove myself. Like, no, I'm really a designer. I'm not styling anymore. Like there's no beef. I'm literally here to like help you now. Right. So now at that point, you're in a different role because now like a stylist would go to a costume designer and work with them to have to create something or just see what you have and, you know, bring it to their clients. Whereas in this case, you're it's now the people that you were competing with are the people that you those are the relationships that matter because now you're going to need to work with them to create for them to use your pieces and incorporate your pieces into what they're doing so now it's like the dynamics change yeah my my confidence was like bruised bad so Mm -hmm. yeah it, it, it took a while for me to like even build all of that up and trust me a lot of record labels still called me and they're like yeah we got this project we want you to style and i'm having experience. i know i'm like if there's no custom involved i can't do it i think i was one of those people because i still was like well <laughs> i think i called you to style i'm pretty sure i did and and you and i remember that period i was like oh Okay. You know, because from the outside, you're just like, okay, so you're making that transition. (laughs) Are you sure you can't do it? (laughs) It was was trying because I was also broke. So it was just Mm -hmm. like, I jump back into that or not. But then it was just like, you don't got the credit to do styling jobs no more. (laughs) So I I was literally rebuilding everything. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I had to stay true. Like if I'm going to subject myself to this type of service, it needs to be the part that I like the most. Right. So yeah, I'm a designer now. <laughs> right. That's a big, that's a big deal. You didn't, to, to make that transition and to stick with it, 
I think that's the other thing, right? Like there's what people see you as and you can easily keep getting pulled into doing that or there's what you know you really wanna do. And it's not gonna be easy, but yeah. that's what you know you wanna do, so. Here we are at another crossroads. <laughs> right, right. So now as a designer, um, what's what are some, what's like one of the most, you know, I guess exciting uh, jobs you've had? Like pieces you've made, per, people you've worked with, Stevie Wonder. I already knew the answer. Mm -hmm. I've always been obsessed with Motown. Like, uh, dream cry. come true. Dream I'll come true. And I'll cry <laughs> about that. So I want to hear how did that come about? Like, tell me how this. Felicia got hired to do, um, I guess, a, a press event for a new tour that he was doing, Song Party. And they wanted him to have an all Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. before it became trendy this was like three years ago <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. black young publicist and they wanted a black costume designer and when she okay. she got brought in to do the pr i guess his manager asked her um do you know of anybody who can do the clothes and she said oh like my friend bria can do it mm -hmm. and it was that was a that was a full circle moment for sure that i will never forget and he's so amazing like i definitely mm, that's incredible clients that i've like adored from afar and then you meet them and you kind of like eh. <laughs> right like <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. but he's like he's just good inside and out and he's got he's so alive yeah yeah and then he also has that wisdom that is kind of like it's it's unexplainable because he i think it maybe because he can't see that he feels more so mm -hmm. like easily like he got that thing where he's like so what's up like what's wrong with you and you're like yeah! <laughs> oh my god <laughs> you know what i mean wow like, you just want to cry because he just has this instinct about him right right well i mean that's also very evident through his lyrics like you can't believe that he uses the kind of description he does or like describes feelings with the kind of depth that he does, but it also makes sense because I'm I, sure those senses, yeah. yeah. I, asked him, I was like, how did, you, how did you come up with Rocket Love? And he was like, it, it came from a dream. Mm. And I'm just like, wow. that's nuts. Wow. So that's were you able to like talk like, so how long was the process of like fitting and the thing is as as big and iconic and like royal he's mm -hmm. still a real 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 person. <laughs> uh -huh, uh -huh. I don't think he's going to work with anybody that he can't have dialogue and like real conversation with Okay. I was um I was put on the phone with him before I actually went in to like do measurements. Wow. <laughs> He was like, he first thing he said was like, where are you from? And I was like, Detroit. And he was like, oh, shoot, home girl. Wow. Like broke the ice. And then he said, well, what sign are you? And I was like, I'm cancer. He was like, oh, you crazy. And you like to cry a lot. And I was like, what? Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I will cry about everything. <laughs> 
Wow, that's incredible. So, yeah, so he he like he calls me Moon Child, and he's very in tune. Like he knows his shit. <laughs> wow. So wait, even just that day when you knew you had the call, like how did you even feel? Like I'm about to have this call with Stevie. Well, Wonder. I thought that I was just gonna talk to management, and then she okay. Was like, well, I'm gonna call Steven now. You know, is that cool? And then she she didn't wait for me to answer. She <laughs> <laughs> you're like hold on hold on hold on <laughs> and I cried right after that too I remember I was in an uber <laughs> incredible I wanted to tell her like I'm kind of like in transit but she didn't even wait for me to answer she just patched him in and it was just like but he broke the ice immediately and like wow every, every like iconic star that I've I've met mm -hmm. that 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 specialness that it thing they all yep they yep. break this first to like get you get everybody back on the same page like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. celebrity stuff let's let's chat and yeah. so it was just it was just really dope for me like that was a full circle moment and then also getting a call to work with Will Smith again was a full circle moment too wow okay was that recently um uh that was in the last 3 years we did um he did a feature um, with a Latin group. Okay. And they called me in to do a music video and to dress him for the Latin uh, Grammys. Okay. And wow. So that, was, that was like, that was big too. That's big. It yeah, because he doesn't even perform that much. So yeah. him coming out to perform yeah, is and it also a moment. Me too, that all the things that I was so devastated about, he had no idea that that was going <laughs> You know what I'm saying? It was just like I was two years. I spent two years in darkness. <laughs> and he's like, "What? It's good to see you again." Oh my god! And I'm like, "I'm blackballed. Everyone hates me." <laughs> oh my god, that is. But you know what? That's the thing. Is like sometimes you don't even have perspective. Like there's so much going on in their worlds that this is like one small little piece in like what they are doing that you think it's like they're you think they're talking about it at the dinner table you like, know it's my life it's not theirs <laughs> you think jada and will are like yeah that that style is you know and meanwhile it's like yeah they're like oh we got another one of them in come in <laughs> right oh my god that is and, too and funny have to be able to laugh about <laughs> laugh about it's like it's good to see you wave in and i'm like in hell <laughs> dying hungry. oh my god still in recovery yeah, and then you feel like an asshole because he's so positive so you can't come in like you don't know what happened to me right right you're like okay we're just gonna move right along I just roll with it and that also i just had to learn like just let shit go and keep yes that's real everybody else is everybody else does apparently right yeah. don't hold on just let it go yeah yeah and you have to because you know like i feel like in this in our business it's like every day is almost like an experiment it's like you can you can get all the right ingredients and you know based on what you want to do and like your experience and try to make everything almost as you know just as perfect as you possibly can but we're always doing something new you know it's always it's a new piece it's a new garment it's a new show. It's a new, everything is new all the time. So like, yes, if you can make it perfect, amazing. But I mean, I, I always find that, I think that's so amazing just about like being a creative is that like 
you're doing something new every day. Like nothing is really predictable. So I feel like you would have to, just for the sake of like your nerves, have to be able to be like, okay, maybe that could have been a little bit more like this or that, but you know what? Got to keep it moving. I'm a cancer and I'm just, I'm just feeling first through everything. So I just, yeah, I feel you. I'm, I'm saying this, but meanwhile, I, I feel the same way, you know, I'll be sitting here mortified and cringing two years later when I rethink of <laughs> reliving a moment, like, you know, yeah. <laughs> like it just happened. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I just had to learn that, you know, it's not, it's not personal and you just literally got to shake it off and keep going. Oh my God, that is too funny. But yeah, that's true. And then, okay, so Beyonce, the coat. Yes. That, that coat, that was a moment. That was that that was a, a moment. And that coat was done in less than 24 hours. And I was scared to death. And of course, there are so many things because uh, Marnie changed the last show. Uh-huh. Madison Square Garden, they changed everything to gold and yellow. I had no idea that that was happening. <laughs> okay. So, like my jacket was going to pop off. And I'm like, they're going to call me. They're going to love it. They're going to tell me that she had it on in the fitting. And the I didn't hear nothing. And I'm just looking on Instagram. <laughs> oh, my God. Like she didn't. I'm like, she didn't wear the coat. Oh my God. They called me at three o'clock in the afternoon. I came back from Disneyland to LA. I had to send somebody to the store while I was in transit to go get some things. I had to call my sewers to come in at night. I went, finally went down to the district, found the gold fabric. I bought two different ones because I just didn't know and the stores were closing. And then they picked it up <sighs> at 2 a.m. It got on a 6 a.m. flight to New York. And I didn't know shit until after 9 p.m. that night. Oh, my goodness. One of my friends, one a girl named Cheryl, she sent me a message. It was a video. She was like, I know this code is yours. I know this code is yours. She's like in front row and she's filming her and she's coming down the stage <laughs> because I'm over here devastated. One, I'm tired. I have never, I've never been to sleep. Mm -hmm. like, I was laying here in the bed and I'm like scrolling. I'm like, she didn't wear the coat. And I'm just <laughs> I'm just tired. I'm like, fuck this. I got to stop doing this to myself. <laughs> I should have charged double. <laughs> and she's not wearing the shit anyway. And then <laughs> yellow kind of goldish coat. And I was like, they chose that coat instead of mine. And I was just like, <laughs> all the things. She sent me the video and I'm like, crying. Like, oh. oh my God. So Wait, what, what, what concert was that? It was the last show of the uh, Formation Tour. Okay, okay. The very last yeah. one. <laughs> the last one she's done, right? Because I feel like that wasn't that. She did a tour after that. Oh, she did? Oh, it felt very recent, but okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was like, wow. Because again, I saw that code. I guess I saw it on your page, but like it's in my head. Like I saw it. And it, I mean, I just feel like the the looks are just so, and that's what makes it so special. Like they just stick. They really make an impression. It's a moment, you know, like, like, like we say, that's what you want to create. And it really is that because it's like, you're not just thinking about the show. Like you're thinking about that piece 
you know, whatever that garment. And then it doesn't overpower. It like really just goes with the moment. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah, yeah. I didn't know how it was gonna show up. I was like, really? She want a bubble jacket with a, a concert? Okay. It was fire. It was fire. <laughs> Actually, you want to see her more looks like that. Yeah. Personally. Yeah. Um, it was it was our IP park. <laughs> yeah. Hello. Yeah, Hello. Like That's definitely in that vein, you know? Yes, absolutely. So what I what I like to ask a lot of times is like what do you, what would you describe to be your like secret sauce? Like the thing that makes your ideas really work or that really makes it, you know, that really nails it. It makes people want to come back and, and continue to get pieces from you or continue to work with you. I think the clients that, um, that are more consistent and the projects that really go well, it's kind of like that gift and the curse of the feelings thing. Like the feelings have, you know, had me in some tough situations and I've had mm-hmm. to learn some tough lessons because of it. But then it also allows me to be like, I think very nurturing and kind of tap into not only what the client is telling me, but what they don't say. Right. And um, I just really believe in, um, comfort and you can always push those boundaries but you got to just make sure they're comfortable first and then there's a level of trust that's there and they'll allow you to push that further but once they're comfortable that's when the confidence comes out right and absolutely yeah when you get there then you can start saying well like let's try this and you can walk them slow into you know where it is you really want to go but the more comfortable and confident they are about it the better they're going to be able to pull it off because I've seen some girls wear some clothes that were just too big for them Mm -hmm, and I say mm -hmm. big I just mean that the clothes were wearing them you know Mm -hmm. what I mean yes yeah, and you can also tell when there wasn't a proper fitting and things don't naturally fit right. It might have looked better for a photo shoot, but it wasn't really good for a tour and dancing and walking around. And once somebody is uncomfortable on stage, they give a bad show. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I yeah. think it's that feeling and that that cancer stuff, mm-hmm, <laughs> the mm-hmm. aspect, and just being like kind of empathetic and just just kind of just knowing having that sense of like knowing right it's like that artist to artist connection you know being able to empathize is so important and those are those are my favorite projects and like her her, she's a cancer and I get it like because I have that thing where I like masculine pieces but you can still tell that I'm I'm a very feminine girl and Mm -hmm. she has that where she likes that edge and she's gonna have a a little bit of edge and like a a kind of tomboy chic thing about her but she's still very feminine in her her appeal and the way she sings and is something something very like seductive and feminine about her even though she is in sunglasses and a pair of cargo pants right right yeah Yeah. I feel like you guys are almost like a match made in heaven no, you know like, what I mean? I love her. And like, she's, yeah. she to me is like the next coming of Stevie Wonder and Prince. And like, mm. she's younger than me, but I'm literally like honored to be a part of her journey. And, and again, for her to be so talented 
And so like life is coming at her fast, like it's mm-hmm. all happening and she still gives direct eye contact. She still is saying like, thank you so much for this. Mm-hmm. And thank you for being here today. And like, ha- how are you doing? Because yeah. this is a very thankless job where, oh. yeah, you know. Oh well, yeah. She's so, <laughs> she's so human. Yes. It, it just makes me like love her even more. And like after this pandemic, there's definitely like things that I'm just never going to participate in again, mm-hmm, but I mm-hmm. will do whatever for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Cause she, yeah. she deserves it. Like she's, she's, wow. she's everything. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think she would, I feel like if she were to ever do um, at some point decide that she wants to launch like a clothing line or something. I feel like, I mean, I'm just, you know, I have no parts of her team. I have no skin in this, but I feel like you guys doing something together would make so much well, sense. She has Wari. Wari is her mm-hmm. wardrobe stylist and we all work really well together. And like, mm-hmm. and I just love him because he's another person that kind of like really tunes in to mm. the client. Um, so we all work really well together. And I, mm-hmm. I'll just say that after that Grammy look, the neon lime green, Honey mm-hmm. Child did get a deal with um, with uh, Tommy Hilfiger and it was very much neon green. Mm. <laughs> well, there you go. There you so go. That, that's like another another aspect. Um, mm-hmm. I would I would love for somebody to include me in that part. Like I did the... Um, the outfit that Beyonce wore to Coachella to introduce her Adidas collection. And so mm. I was kind of hopeful that, oh, like maybe they'll bring me in like as a designer. It didn't right. happen. It didn't happen, but it also put me in the mind frame to maybe start seeking out those relationships for myself. Because that same year at Coachella and even the year before, like I was asked, can you deconstruct Nike stuff? and make it into something else. And I'm like, Mm. instead of me like competing with them, trying to make something or coming out from the outside in, why don't I just make a deal with one of those brands and be that like go-to person. So maybe like somewhere down the line, I could, you know, make something like that happen and like facilitate that. Right. Yeah, I think that. Fingers crossed. Yeah, manifestation, manifestation. Yes. Those suits though, I mean, I mean, I would wear one of those suits. I'm gonna put them up on my site tomorrow. (laughs) Oh, hello. Can I reserve? I need to reserve one because I will rock that. Yes, please. Cause this is just like, I, it's forcing me to go ahead and start just like releasing pieces. Yes, you know, those not, will fly out of here. I'm not able to do like a lookbook and like an expensive photo shoot the way I've envisioned because I feel like I've waited for so long. Like it needs to be a certain way, and I'm just mm-hmm. like, oh. I was like, I'm just gonna do it and figure it yeah. out. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Just jump out and do it. You know, and the pieces are so strong that. I mean, obviously the lookbook, you know, I know you, there's a vision, but I mean, I, again, it's like, I know the look that you're talking about and that, and I, when I tell you, Bria, it's cause it's from, I'm like scrolling. It's not like I'm sitting here staring at your page, but when I see the looks, they just stick in my head. So what advice, I mean, you've had a really, um, 
I mean, you know, there's so many stories of, of so many of the ups and downs, but ultimately you've had a, such a dynamic career, you know, like you've done achieved what so many people like pray for, you know what I mean? Like you've dressed some of the, yeah, biggest... and you, you do, you do these talks and you, you think back and it's like, like reading from your like diary. And sometimes you just forget about the steps and the, yeah, the things, yeah. the things that you've done in the past. And like, it, it, it does feel good to tell these stories. So like, this is a good thing you're doing. These sorts of careers are really journeys because so much of it is, you know, you, it's you building the entire time. Like you, yeah, you don't, you don't even, you don't even realize everything that's happening because it's, it's coming at you so fast. And right. it's like after one project hits the ground and then it's on to the next project. On to the next. By the time it reaches the stage or the public, I'm working on something else. So right. like, like having these moments to like go back and like tell how it how it happened it is good for me because a lot of times it's literally moving so fast it's just like oh I just got to get it out the door and on to the next thing right right and also you know it's a journey in the sense that like one thing leads to the next you know one thing leads to the next people you know like we'll see especially before maybe people knew you the way that they know you now but they saw your work and then they wanted to work with you and that opportunity led to the next opportunity. But then also the fact that it's like the perfect like storm of like um, experiences and instances, you know, that happen because it's like certain instances happen, but then you also have to know what to pull from, like just from that toolbox that you yeah, start the to- Yeah, that you never know are gonna be helpful. You're like, oh, yeah. right. Yeah. It ends up being the key. <laughs> it really does. It really does. Um, so what advice would you give, you know, this next generation of young stylists? We're in such a different time. Um, I don't know if people necessarily, you know, we're in a time where people update their bios and that's what they consider becoming something. They update their Instagram bios. <laughs> And they're like, right. They're like, I'm this today, you know, and listen, manifestation is great. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not, I'm never going to um, try to make anyone feel bad about that. You know, you yeah. have to speak it into existence. Yeah. However, there's um, learning how to actually do the job that you say you want to, that you say you want to do. So um, yeah. for those who are really aspiring to say, they say, I want to be the next Bria. Like, what advice would you give that person? First off, I would say that you have to, you got to be like a student. Um, I was lucky enough to like be thrown into situations and get that hands-on experience and like just put in the middle of fire and figuring out how to, <laughs> how, how to, how to, how to save everything. Uh -huh. um, and, and, and those were all great learning experiences and like, you have to you have to study under a master in order to me in order for you to have longevity you mm. have to work under somebody that's doing it at the level that you want to do it mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. it's going to take you longer you're going to make a lot more mistakes and there's just no cheating school <laughs> you, 
You just can't. Right. You can't. Not if you're in, your intention is to have longevity. You have right. to pay your dues and you have to be a student and you need to research everything from, um, you know, old school designers. If there's a certain aesthetic that stands out for you, then you need to like study everybody that had something similar. And it's mm -hmm. also a way to stay inspired when you like look at, you know, people who came before you and people who are doing it currently. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a must. You have to work under somebody because within that, you learn the process, but you also are able to start to build a network because mm -hmm. ultimately that person's contacts become yours. Right. And if you're starting out the gate, <laughs> with the same title as the person you look up to and you're missing all of those key elements, the network, the experience, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. You're cheating yourself one out of the, the beauty of the process, but right. you know, it's just not going to be like <laughs> substantial. You're not going to be able to stand the test of time. Right. Um, right. Without, without having that. Uh, hands-on experience and like mentorship I think is a little different than like when we came up but get it how you can mm -hmm. yeah. and get it from right. wherever you can yeah right yep no shortcuts because you can tell you yeah can, you can most certainly tell and I just think like I said we were doing product requests via fax machine like now <laughs> You can Google everything. Back then, if you couldn't find it in the phone book or you literally hadn't gone to the fashion show and got a pamphlet with the PR office in it, mm -hmm. you you had to go walk up and down New York streets to figure figure that out. Right. There was no like Google search as to like who has I Alexander McQueen samples. Right. Or DMing. Yeah, and it, it, you weren't going to the store. Like the store is different from the showroom, and those are all the right. things that you need to you need to know. And you also need to know how to do a proper request letter. Right. Yourself, you know what I mean. And and learning that just being able to get clothes is not it. It needs to be beneficial to both you and the brand and your client. Right. Right. So, you, you know, yes. you learn all of that working up under somebody because it's right. just, yeah. Yeah. And reputation mm -hmm. is important. Yeah. yeah. And, and working under someone else, you get to learn their style of work and maybe work for a few different people so you can see different things because I worked with Tamika all of those years and then I went off on my own and then I worked under Dave Thomas, who's from London. And he's the type of stylist. He does um, John Legend right now and um, a few other people. But he used to do like Kylie Minogue. Mm -hmm. And his way of working is completely different. Like he's going to mm. come in with one rack of fire. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I worked with Tamika. We used to have hotel suites full of clothes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So she was an overachiever. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times I will say Usher would have like four or five jobs or Jay-Z would have four or five jobs that would be back to back. So we were, you know, supplying all the clothes for those things, but it never, it never should take a whole suite at the W <laughs> from the floor to the ceiling. Right, 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 it's right. A lot of, it's a lot of extra work, but it also, it showed me her power. Yeah. You could get. You know yeah. what I'm saying? 
yeah her effort to get it done and how how the whole machine was working because i would be pulling in new york but she would have somebody here in la pulling and then we'll be getting stuff from europe Oof. yeah you know what i yeah. mean mm -hmm. um, and then with him he's like i'm gonna go to barney's and i'm gonna go to st laurent you're gonna get this hot one rack and i'm confident <laughs> enough in my styling to know here's the shirt here's the pants this is what you're wearing and he knows his clients and his rapport with his clients are so good it's mm -hmm. smelling right and right it's just like he's walking off set with one suitcase wow an SUV. <laughs> wow and are you <laughs> yeah yeah you know yeah yeah so yeah so being able to see those different styles and then developing your own and not and feeling like oh i should and yeah see what works for you and what doesn't right right but it validates whatever your style is because you're like these two people have distinctly different ways of working but they still get their results so if you come up with whatever your way is you know it shows that there's room to develop yeah. your own because style and your way of I'm doing gonna, things i'm gonna come with the clothes but then i also have a kit to like make things and remake things on set you know what i mean right. if it's not working i know that i can sew it i can fix it i can cut it off the shoulder i you know what i mean i can add a shoulder detail to it that's going to make all the difference right right you know I mean? so yeah it's, it's just, you, you're able to like craft your own thing once you've been in the midst of it right so okay we touched on this a little bit before so what um challenges have you faced as a black woman in in this industry have you faced any challenges and if so what what do they look like um i think sometimes it's it's difficult for people to because a lot of people are shocked first of all when they ask me like oh so like you design dresses or what do you do and i was like no like my specialty is leather and denim mm -hmm. And I think that it's been hard throughout my career for people to understand that, like, I want to dress Miley Cyrus. I want to mm -hmm. dress Guns and Roses. Right. That's my jam. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? I want to dress Janet Jackson. Yeah. And as a as a costume designer, I, I noticed that they'll easily go to men of a of another race and they'll they'll pay them the ultimate budgets with no questions mm. answered you know what right I mean? and then it, with me it's a it's a back it's a back and forth sometimes as to like you know why it's just wow like, yeah now i can send them to watch this interview <laughs> like that hello why. yeah right like, that's right. why and i, yeah. and, I just, and that's kind of why i I, at this point, I think it's important for me to do a collection because I also think I worked so much that I ended up, because I learned so much as I was going, I ended up making a lot of things. So mm -hmm. the collection is able for me to really say, like, this is what the aesthetic is. This is right. without any interference from an artist, from a stylist, from a record label. This is my aesthetic and this is what it what it is. And I think, um, hopefully, that I'm mm -hmm. able get my Miley Cyrus, my Billie Eilish, Janet Jackson. Oh, Billie Eilish. Yeah. 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 That, so, that makes sense. So that's where I want to go. <laughs> work with her so bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. That would yeah, make so that, much sense. I'm missing people that a Black girl from Detroit is capable of doing like punk 
and rock and roll and like alternative looks. Right. And you don't have to just come to me for cargo pants and motorcycles. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's the challenge so many of us face is getting pigeonholed. Is there anyone in the business that inspires you? I don't know this guy's name, but he does like all of Post Malone's clothes. I think he's in like Tennessee. Ah, okay. I really love him. He does a lot with leather and a lot with chain stitch embroidery and studs. Okay. I just, I really like people who put like a lot of love and like detail in their pieces. Mm. Post Malone is another person that I really, really want to work with. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I do, I do love Marnie's sense of style. Like I, mm -hmm. like she was a stylist that was also thriving when I first moved to New York and was working with Tamika. I would always see her in the stores. Her personal mm -hmm. style is sick, and I just, I get, I get, I get it, I get yeah. it. And I, I just love, I love her sense of style. And like I, I think a lot of times when she dresses people, like I can, I can tell. Right, right. Yeah, it's true. I definitely think so. She definitely has a distinct, like a certain eye, a certain approach, for sure, that's recognizable. Um, so, okay, you talked, you brought up wellness. Like, how has that become more and more important in, in your life and in your journey and something that you care about and want to kind of speak on? I think that it's key. And I, mm -hmm. I didn't how important it was. I feel like I had hit, I had hit that low point where I felt like I was having to rebuild and redeem myself. So I was definitely on team no sleep. Like, what's the craziest mm. shit to throw at me? I can do it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I put myself in a position where it was just like, you need some fast go to Bria. So mm. I was running on adrenaline. Adrenaline mm -hmm. to get the job done. And then when it gets quiet, I got anxiety because there is nothing to be anxious over. <laughs> when mm -hmm. I'm about the nothing, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, quietness. So right. I just, I never ever was just at a moment of peace or I had never carved out time to do something else that fueled me just mm -hmm. as much. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I realized that I was, I think I was losing like the better parts of me. Right. Which is loving to my friends and like having a good time and yeah, yeah. Being sex, so I wasn't doing any of that. Mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> I was just a, a workhorse. And yeah, yeah. Before you know it. You're working so much. You're not eating properly. I wasn't eating at all, so my tap my metabolism stopped working. So oh, no. I'm 40 pounds heavier, and now I don't. I can't even wear the clothes that I like or that I make because I don't look like how I look in here. Mm -hmm. Right, right. In, in this world where like personal branding has become so important, like you yeah. know we started it wasn't that it was just like you let the client shine and you right. do a job and a service and that's that but now right. 
you have to do that work and you have to brand yourself. And there was so much of me that I needed to work on and I never had the time to work on it. So I just felt mm. like drinking and I was getting, I was getting smaller and smaller but bigger and bigger, if you get what I'm saying. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I, and that's, that's, um, that's kind of like that point of tension or like that inflection point. It's like your career is growing, but then you start to like you, that's, that's when you really have to start managing. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. It's easy to start losing yourself because you're giving your all to everything that you're, what you're doing. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I probably missed like the last three or four birthday parties of yours mm-hmm. <laughs> and I did mm-hmm. I, I was not socializing and then I honestly felt like I got socially awkward because mm. I was in my studio I was either with my workers or by myself so then I'm at a point like how do I you know what I mean <laughs> yeah yeah how do you show up? right you know? right right so, um I also had an anxiety attack. I thought mm-hmm. I was crying. Mm-hmm. And there had been so many years where it was just like, oh, I, I work well under pressure. Like, throw it at me. Like, I do, yeah. my, I do my best under pressure. And yeah. one day, I literally thought I was dying and I went to the hospital. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> and I have been, I have been doing life different ever since then. But mm-hmm. once had the shutdown then I was able to really like take a step back and like figure out like how do you want to move forward and you're not going to be able to continue to live life the way you've been doing it so you make some decisions and and I did like I don't know be doing as much like custom work um Mm -hmm. that I released some pieces so it's just like those things they it moves slower it's not like those big of income that I'm used Mm -hmm. to. Mm -hmm. I also feel like things, I have other priorities now. And Mm -hmm. I started my little dance class during quarantine. Mm -hmm. I'm literally like obsessed with that. Like it makes me- that's great. It makes me so happy and Mm -hmm. able to include people and it helps me to be accountable. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I now wow. feel comfortable wearing the clothes that I design, and and I'm still, I'm still a work in progress. But overall, I'm just so much happier. Yeah, and I just want I want more of this. So, yes, wow. So I want to continue to do this and like pursue the projects that that really like have me inspired, not just working to be working. Right. And something amazing is going to come from it because it's like, ultimately, what you're creating comes from you. It's a reflection of you and where you are. So right now, putting this focus on yourself and continuing to do it, incorporating it into your your life, like it being, it's a lifestyle, you know, it's like, it's going to come out in, in your work. And I mean, we'll see what that looks like. I'm we'll just, see what that looks like, you know. I know. That's what I'm saying. Right here. Like, here we are, like at another crossroads, because I feel like this is gonna be another twist in the in the in the story. And then this will lead to the next chap the next chapter. Yeah, so then we'll have you know? to do it again. <laughs> right? I know. I know. I'm I'm just like, what's gonna be next? So that is the question. Like when you say release a line, do you see yourself eventually? 
in like boutiques or like selling what sorts of, what kinds of stores, what what's the customer that you'd be? I think the um, industry is like changing where it's not so much based around seasons and all of that, but I think, right. I think as of right now, I'm okay with just being uh, direct to consumer and just selling online because then I can, I can release things as I see fit. Right. And there's, there's no pressure. Cause at this time, I actually, I don't have the finances to do it according to fashion schedule mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's changing as, as we speak, but yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't want that pressure. Anything that's going to bring <laughs> anxiety, yeah. I don't, don't want to do it. Right. Right. Yeah. No, that this, the way things are definitely gives you the freedom. You know, once people just like what you, the customer just likes what you do, you know, they're just going to be patient and buy it whenever it's available, you yeah. know? It yeah. Literally gives me the freedom to like, just do, to do it how I, how I want to do it. Right. Right. That, that, at the end of the day, that's kind of the shit I've always been on. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and Amazing. speaking of which, your question mm -hmm. earlier, who inspires me? Um, oh, yeah. I, yeah, I think I could have answered that one a little different. Um, I'm wearing Aliette right now, which is uh, my my other best friend, um, Jason Rembert. This is his collection. Ah, okay. Like, he inspires me because he just went ahead and he, like, did it. And he also is still styling, but he decided to do this collection and do it like at the highest level. And like, he's wow. had amazing placements and like the cover with uh, AOC in his white suit. And like that- That me, was his suit? Yes. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. So he's, he's younger than me. And like Jason came out to LA to help me with Willow. He used to do- um, my, oh, okay. uh, my request. He used to do all the uh, editorial requests for me and like he's totally surpassed where I was as a stylist and now he actually has a collection that's incredible that's real and taken so serious in the industry so that was that was inspiring to watch it was yeah inspiring to watch because he just like threw the middle fingers up and he was like I'm doing it and right. after his mom who's no longer here and it's just mm. Beautiful to have seen that happen. Yeah, that suit is stunning. And you know what's so what's funny is the last uh podcast I did was actually with the fashion director at Vanity Fair, um, Nicole Chapito. And so she put AOC in that suit. Oh. Yeah, yeah. 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 So all connected. Well, I think we have covered a lot. Your story is really inspiring. I think people are going to learn a ton. And that's really what I want to accomplish with the with the podcast, you know, is like for people to be able to hear firsthand um, just what these what the journey because that's how I learned, you know, I used to love reading. I mean, I love biographies. I love documentaries. And I just like hearing people's stories. Yeah. That oh, that's what inspires me. I get super motivated. <laughs> I'm yeah fanatic yes all right thank you babe. all right thank talk you talk to you later okay bye yeah.